You're listening to a Podglomerate original. I always say that someday Vox will find out that they are just paying me to like read and watch TV and movies and then like think about stuff and write it down. Like I would do that for free. This is a scam. Hey, Missing Pages fans, it's Beth Ann. And today we have a special bonus episode for you. If you listened to our two-part episode on Caroline Calloway, then you got to hear the wonderful Constance Grady break down how Calloway broke through the publishing industry without ever publishing a book. But did you know that on Missing Pages Unabridged, our premium feed on Apple Podcasts, you can find an extended interview with Constance? Well, today, while we're hard at work on season two, we're releasing the episode to the public. For those who don't know, Missing Pages Unabridged is an Apple Podcast premium feed where you can listen to full episodes ad-free and find over 10 bonus episodes, just like the one you're about to hear. Missing Pages Unabridged is $4.99 a month or $49.99 for the full year, and you can get a week free if you sign up today. In this conversation, we'll share some of Constance's deep wisdom about books, publishing, and criticism. We'll also discuss how Constance wrote a highly referenced article for Vox about our episode's eponymous character, Caroline Calloway. Let's roll the tape. Well, my name's Constance Grady. I came to writing out of book publishing. I went to the Columbia Publishing course. I interned around for a while at various trade publishers and agencies and ended up working at university presses for a little bit before I transitioned into writing and journalism and specifically culture criticism, which I found was what I was doing in my job at my university press when I should have been actually doing my job. I was just like reading AV Club recaps and book reviews and thinking, you know what? Maybe this is what I should actually be doing with my days if it is what I am actually doing with my days. But I wanted to dig a little deeper into why Constance gravitated toward writing and book publishing and cultural criticism. Was there a feeling she was chasing? See, this is one of those things that it is hard to talk about without being cliche. Like at publishing school, they will tell you, don't say you want to work in publishing because of your passion for the written word, because everyone says passion for the written word. But you know, what first awoke my passion for the written word, I would have to say, would be be, I think just being a weird, lonely little kid, you look for books that can take you out of yourself and into somewhere bigger and stranger and more interesting than the world that you're living in. So for me as a kid, that was books like Susan Cooper's books, Robin McKinley's. I was very into, you know, lonely girl fantasy for a while there. And they were just such beautiful writers in addition to their world building that just the sentences were so lovely you just kind of wanted to like lie down and wallow in them so that was sort of the the feeling I kept chasing after growing up and moving into publishing and then becoming a book critic is that sort of idea of a book that will take your you out of yourself and be beautiful while it does it. Fox where Constance has been a senior correspondent for the past seven years is known for something called explainer journalism which she so graciously explained to me and our producers. So the idea of explainer journalism is 
The story that Ezra Klein always told about this, um, Ezra Klein was one of the founders of Vox, who's now the New York Times, very brilliant, is if you are with your friends and you're watching the news and a story comes on and you're just like, what the fuck? Then you go on Vox and Vox will go, here's the fuck. The idea is we explain the context that you need to understand the many increasingly complicated things that are happening in the world. So for culture journalism, that could look something like taking a very, very complicated, many branched story. So that could look something like explaining everything that led up to Will Smith slapping Chris Rock at the Oscars and what their relationship is like and the context that you need to know to understand what happened there. And it can also look like taking a story that seems very, very simple. So, for example, um, Ben Affleck and J-Lo getting back together um, and sort of teasing out all of the ideas that are sort of buried in that story and in our fascination with them as a couple. You know, how we talk about women and Latina women specifically and masculinity and why the way we talk about this relationship now is very, very different than it was in 2002. You can sort of tease that out and look at the way that our ideas about race and gender and identity and romance and celebrity have all changed in the past 20 years. Um, and culture is one of the places where you really get to play around and have fun doing that. So our team had to know how Constance wound up writing this broad spanning explainer article about Caroline Calloway back in 2019. What led her to this particular story? I remember first taking notice of Caroline Calloway, I think when she kind of crossed in over into mainstream infamy, which is when her lecture tour became this sort of object of spectacle and everyone was watching, you know, her mason jars get delivered and the reading the accounts of everyone who went. And I kind of thought, oh, well, this is sort of a fun, silly story, but I'm not that invested. Um, but somehow she just became inescapable in, in the months after that. It was as though every single person I followed in New York media was posting about her. And once she started posting about the Natalie Beach essay that was coming, I kind of got really fascinated. Um, and I remember being on Slack um, at work and we were sort of talking about this essay going to drop. And I just said, when that essay drops, I'm going to explain the fuck out of this story. And so the night it, it came out, I like sped, speed read through it. Um, and then the next morning I got to work and I sort of told my editor, I'm going to be on the Natalie Beach Caroline Calloway story all day. Don't send me anything else. As you may recall from our two-part episode, after the Natalie Beach story broke on the cut in September 2019, Caroline Calloway continued to go viral on social media for launching creativity workshops or seminars for her fans. Here's Constance talking about reporting on that part of the story. So Caroline Calloway decided to host a seminar for her followers that was about like empowerment and being yourself. I think she was calling it um, a world tour of creativity workshops. And the idea was that she would charge $165 for the tickets. Um, the seminars would be four hours long. She would only be there for the for three of the hours. 
Um, and she was promising her attendees personalized journals, vegan lunches, and care packages that would include mason jar gardens. And the idea was they would drink coffee or tea, and there would be oat milk, and they would make flower crowns and wear them in their hair, and it would be in 10 U.S. cities, and then eventually Europe. Um, so she announces all of this on Instagram, but the thing is, she does not have the infrastructure in place to actually do any of this. So she's selling tickets, but she doesn't have venues booked. She doesn't really even know exactly where each tour is going to be or what it will look like. Um, and the thing that becomes sort of the inescapable moment for this whole tour and an emblem of of how the public is thinking about Caroline Calloway right now is she orders 1,200 mason jars for those mason jar gardens. Um, and she posts a picture to Instagram of this giant truck pulling up outside her apartment with a giant pallet full of 1,200 mason jars. And she is realizing she has nowhere to store 1,200 mason jars because that's a lot of mason jars. Um, so this all became this kind of the entree of Caroline Calloway into mainstream New York media. But who was Caroline Calloway prior to this 1,200 mason jar kerfuffle? So Caroline Calloway, prior to this viral Twitter thread, was best known as kind of a minor Instagram influencer. She takes off around 2013 when she is an American student at school in Cambridge. What she's doing is she is taking these pictures of the Cambridge campus and the various glamorous parties and events she's going to and writing these really long, really voicey captions that kind of read like um, a really fun way novel, like, ooh, this lovely, charming girl who's just like you is going to school in Cambridge and having this fairy tale experience and drinking champagne with cute boys. Um, that can kind of suck you in and and draw you into the story. And that's what she originally seems at the time to have built her following on. But later we find out that it was a little more complicated than that and that her following wasn't as organic as you might have thought. So Caroline Calloway will tell you that she pioneered long Instagram captions. I do not know that that is necessarily completely accurate. I would not say she's the only person in the world who ever thought of doing that in 2013. Um, certainly she is one of the first people to have done it um, in quite such a large scale and to have built her brand on it. Um, I think what is attractive to to her followers about that is that they're sort of vulnerable and confessional. It's kind of a throwback to sort of old school WordPress blogging circa like 2003, um, but it's happening in this sort of glitzy, aspirational Instagram universe. In talking to Constance and really everyone we chatted with for this episode, there was always a moment where we had to pull away from the story and wonder, what were Caroline's motivations? Oh, that's such a good question. And it's so hard to say. I don't necessarily want to pretend that I have any special access to Caroline Calloway's head. Like, who knows what what she actually wants at any given moment. Um, but I think that she, it is clear that she is someone who wanted to be famous and who seems to like the idea of being famous, not just for being charming and charismatic on social media, but for some artistic achievement. 
Um, I don't know whether she is also interested in making that artistic achievement actually concretely happen in real life. That's sort of, I feel like, not my place to, to speculate on. But we do know that she is interested in and compelled by fame and attention. She does seem to fit into this sort of bookstagram trend of like, your book cover is marketed as something that will look perfect next to a matcha latte in an Instagram square. To me, if that's the case, that's not a condemnation of Caroline so much as it is of the cynicism of book publishing right now and the way it relates to social media as this idea that it can sort of profit off of this platform that I think fundamentally book publishing kind of doesn't understand. And certainly um, with Caroline Calloway didn't seem to have a strong grasp on it. It I have not seen anything to suggest that Bird or anyone who worked on Caroline's book had a sense of who she was outside of the fact that there was a 50,000 follower number on her Instagram profile page. So much to unpack there, but eventually our conversation did meander back to the whole creativity workshop story and how Caroline Calloway embraced the whole scammer identity. So her sort of defense of herself is, look, who was, how could I possibly have known to have figured out the logistics for this tour? I've never done anything like this. I, it's sort of, I have a friend who always says that Caroline Calloway's whole deal is like Daenerys in Game of Thrones being like, I am but a girl untutored in the ways of war. No, that's her whole deal is to sort of present herself as this sort of hapless, naive innocent who's caught up in something bigger and more complex than she could possibly have imagined. For most of the Caroline Calloway story, it really seems like she's only hurting herself. But this is a case where like people who really look up to her are shelling out $165 to come meet her. And she is not really treating them particularly well. So she's promised all this whole very glamorous sort of Instagrammy heaven of an event for these people. Um, and as one famous viral tweet from the event put it, she has these women sitting on the floor eating lettuce, right? Once you get to the event, there is no place to sit. You sit on the floor. You get salad, which she's made herself, an empty mason jar and a what, and a packet of seeds. And then instead of making an orchard, that instead of making an orchard crown, which was what she promised in the event description, you get to put a single flower in your hair and take a picture and then return the flower. Like this is pretty, it's pretty knockoff. It's pretty shabby. It's not what she promised or sold anyone. Given Caroline embraced the whole scammer identity, I had to ask Constance, where does that get you in today's culture? I think at this point, the novelty of her reclaiming her image um, has stopped feeling interesting or subversive. Um, and it's all kind of feeling just a little exploitative. And it's not really clear if it's her exploiting you or you exploiting her or both at the same time. Um, one thing she has said a lot is that she takes her inspiration from Taylor Swift circa reputation um, in embracing the label. And it's kind of, I, it sort of feels like it would if Taylor had never left the reputation era. At a certain point, you're like, okay, it's been a few years. Give me something new. And finally, as a fellow book critic, 
I had to pick Constance's brain a little bit about what our literary industry can learn from the whole Callaway ordeal. I think I've always been kind of astonished by just the how cynically book publishing has always seemed to me to be approaching influencers. Um, there's all of this pressure on editors to acquire books from YouTubers and TikTokers and people who do not show any evidence of being good or interesting writers, but it's sort of like we've collectively decided, oh, well, if you're famous enough, you get a book deal and that's how you cash out. But the books that result from that are rarely good or interesting and also rarely seem to actually sell enough to justify their existence. So I guess I would just love for publishing to try to maybe consider that just because someone has social currency in one media that doesn't mean that they can or should write a book um and maybe perhaps approach figures for reasons other than it seems like people like them when they make videos or take pictures um and and instead Amen, Constance. Are actually Thank you so much for taking the time writing. to go behind the scenes with us about your work on the Caroline Calloway story. We learned so much from you and had a blast in the process. That's all for this bonus episode of Missing Pages Unabridged. Thanks for joining us. If you like this taste of Missing Pages Unabridged, you can find more episodes in our premium feed on Apple Podcasts. Missing Pages Unabridged is produced by The Podglomerate. Showrunner, Kayla Lippman. Producers, Jordan Aaron and Chris Boniello. Production and hosting by me, Beth Ann Patrick. Executive produced by Jeff Umbro and The Podglomerate. Special thanks to Constance Grady and Dan Christoph.